one of the greatest, one of the greatest spiritual awakenings occurred in 760 BC when God used an eight word sermon. Now, I'm going to go longer than eight words, so I apologize. But God used an eight-word sermon through a reluctant prophet, Jonah. And many are familiar with the story. Jonah goes into the great city of Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, and he preaches eight words, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. You know, I have Arkansas math, so I get a little bit nervous when I count, but there you go. Eight-word sermon. And Jonah chapter 3, verse, verse 5 says, the people of Nineveh believed in God. One of the greatest spiritual awakenings of all time. But unfortunately, the city of Nineveh and the empire itself would return to its evil and wicked ways, especially terrorizing God's people, and enters the prophet Nahum. Nahum is a mega, megaphone in the hands of God. And Candace just read in verse 12 a phrase that's only found in this verse, and it's this is what the Lord says. It's the only time it's found in this small book. But before we look to see what the Lord says, let's take a moment to realize who the Lord is. Earlier in chapter one of Nahum, we see that God is described as being all-powerful, meaning he is the one who is navigating and controlling all things. He is ultimately working out his purpose for you and for me and for all of creation. God is all powerful, Nahum says, but he is also present. This all powerful God is also present and he's in the intimate details of your life and my life. And this is how the book of Nahum begins, is that God is all powerful and all present. And I feel like that's an encouraging word for us today, that your God and my God is powerful and present in our lives. But look at what he says in verse 12. Though, though they're at full strength, and so they are many. God, through Nahum, is speaking of the Assyrian Empire and Nineveh, its capital city. At this time, the Assyrian Empire ruled most of the known world. And as you're looking at this map, whatever is green is the area that the Assyrian Empire ruled and its capital city was Nineveh. In 722 BC, Assyria conquered and captured the northern kingdom of Israel and had tried to capture the southern kingdom. And so God says, though you are powerful, and though you are numerous, if you go down and look at verse 17, it says, God says to them, I will prepare your grave. Nineveh, Assyria, though you are powerful and though you are great in numbers, 
God says, I will prepare your grave. I have several friends who are about my age and we all have young men in our home now that are starting to get a little bit bigger and taller and you'll hear young men say to their dads, I can take you or you ready to let's go. You know, you, you, you dads, have you been, a, have you seen that? Have your son done that to you where, yeah, I can, I can take you. Come on. Are you ready? And, and, and dads will often say, or dads will often be thinking, you know, yes, son, you, you are growing and yes, you're getting mature, but I'm still your daddy and I can still take you. And this is what God is saying to Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire. Oh, yes, you are great in power. And yes, you are great in number. But I will prepare your grave for you. I will prepare your grave for you. And as I've been marinating on this and chewing on this, I noticed that in verses 12 and 13 and 14, there is this sevenfold description of complete destruction that God speaks over Assyria and Nineveh. Look with me at verse 12, 13, and 14. God says to Assyria through Nahum that Assyria and Nineveh would be cut off. They will pass away. He goes on and says that God will break Assyria's yoke. He will tear the shackles that have, they've put on God's people. And God says, your name will no longer be perpetuated. It will no longer carry on. And he keeps going. He says, I will eliminate all your idols. And then it finishes this sevenfold description of a serious destruction with, I will prepare your grave. Wow. This is God's word to this wicked empire. Though you are great in number, though you are great in power, I will prepare your grave. And I thought, you know, as God's people, we can reverse that. We can reverse that and we can say, though you're afraid, God will be with you. Though you are worried, God will sustain you. Though you are alone, God will not abandon you. Though you are attacked, God will fight for you. Though you are troubled, God will preserve you. Though you are weak, God will be strong. Though you are faithless, God will be faithful. Though you are hurting, God will be your help. Though, you're, though your enemies surround you, he will be your shield. Though you feel empty, he will be your portion. Though you are hurting, he will be your hope. Though you are lost, he will be your light. Though you are overwhelmed, he will be your comfort. And though you feel unlovable, he will love you. And I feel like that's a word for all of us. As though we may be at a breaking point, God will be with us. Now back to Assyria and back to Nineveh. Why would God speak over them destruction? Look at your scriptures and look at verse 14. God says, you are contemptible. You, you are vile. The word vile there, it means empty, lacking, deficient. For you are contemptible. You are vile. You're empty. You're insustainable. I remember as a camp counselor when I was in college, we would go and we would do these activities with 
young teenagers and we would do a competition with them with ice cream cones. And we would take several young men and, and, and young girls and we'd bring them on the platform in front of their peers and it would be an ice, ice cream eating contest. And so we would give each kid an ice cream cone with ice cream on top. There was always, though, the unfortunate one that got an ice cream cone and what he thought was ice cream was actually frozen mayonnaise. And the first one to finish the ice cream cone wins. And so they would all be standing up there. And anytime you make it a contest or a competition, you know, especially boys, they get all in it. And so sometimes the boy that was eating mayonnaise, he would still try to finish the whole thing. But he thought, or she thought, what was ice, what would be ice cream, it would be mayonnaise. And you could just see it on their face that, oh my goodness, this is not what I thought it was. It was vile, but it was sure fun to watch. And God's, God says to Assyria, God says to Nineveh, you're vile. You're not what you think you are. Yes, you're mighty in number and you are mighty in power, but you are empty. This reminds me of what Jesus often said to the religious leaders of his day. Man, you look super spiritual on the outside, but on the inside you are filthy. And so God speaks destruction over Assyria, Empire, and Nineveh because they're vile. And if you go and look at chapter 3, verse 1, God says to them, Woe to you, bloody city, completely full of lies and pillage her prey does not leave. The brutality of the Assyrian empire was unmatched. Was unmatched. A piece of artwork has been found and discovered in, in a palace in Nineveh. And this piece of artwork kind of gives us an idea of just how brutal the Assyrian Empire was. From this piece of artwork, from this relief, you can see that there is, in the middle, there is an Assyrian soldier filleting one of his enemies. And they would often flay, they would often flay their captives alive and take their skin and hang it on city walls or hang it by branches or at the gate. They would also remove noses and ears and tongues from their captives. And as you're looking at this picture on your right, you'll see what it appears to be an Assyrian soldier holding the head of one of his enemies. Because the Assyrian, the Assyrian Empire was known to decapitate their victims and place their heads on stakes and make a mockery when they would conquer a city or a country. When it came to brutality, no city, no country matched Assyria. Woe to you, bloody city. As I was studying and contemplating and thinking, I actually thought of the United States. Many of us, we love this great country 
But I wonder if what was said about Assyrian Empire in Nineveh could be said about our country. You bloody country. Depending on which research you read, somewhere between 600,000 and 800,000 abortions happen in the United States every year alone. And so I just wonder if what was spoken over the Syrian Empire in Nineveh could be spoken over our country that many of us love. Woe to you, bloody city. But the Assyrian Empire came to an end in 612 when another world empire, the Babylonian Empire, came in and destroyed them and Nineveh completely. And Nahum says at the end of chapter 3, it says that when people hear and see your destruction, they will clap their hands. They will clap their hands. And so I think from, from the book of Nahum, I think there's a warning for us really all to pay attention to but especially for the one among us who is without Christ. Especially for the one who's not a Christian. Next week, Pastor Sherman is going to look at the prophet Zephaniah. And Zephaniah, in, in chapter 1, he's going to say that the day, the great day of the Lord, the, the day of his judgment, when he's going to punish his enemies, just as he did Assyria, just as he will do others, Zephaniah says that day is near and it's coming very quickly, meaning time is running out. And then if you take what James says in the New Testament, in James chapter 4, verse 14, it says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Just think about that. Most of us in this room, we have plans tomorrow. We're going to go to work. We're going to go to the gym. We're going to go hang out with our neighbor. We're going to go serve at Kids Blast. But this scripture just says, we do not know what our life will be like tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 minutes. That's humbling. And then James goes on and says, for you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and it's gone. And so Zephaniah says, time is running out and James comes along and says that your life and my life is like a vapor. It's like a mist and it's gone. That's your life. That's my life. That's your kid's life. Just a vapor and we are gone. And so I believe we need to heed the warning that's found in the book of Nahum. And, and part of that involves responding to God's message. Have you ever gotten an invitation, but by the time it got to you, it was too late for you to respond to the RSVP date? That recently happened to me. I, I got a special invitation for a special event. And I sat down and I opened it up and it said RSVP by, and the date had already come and gone. It was too late for me to respond. And the book of Nahum is a wake-up call for all of us because it is too late for the Assyrian Empire at this time to respond. For them and Nineveh, game over. Their chance to respond was when God sent Jonah 
And now God says, your time is over. I have prepared your grave. I am later on, he'll say in name, I am against you. So for the Assyrian empire, game over. But for those of us who are here in this very moment, we still have a chance to respond. And in Nahum chapter one, we read that God is a stronghold for those who come to him. And so if you are in this room and you are without Christ, let God's word be an invitation for you to respond to him and not run from him. And so majority of the book of Nahum is about a day of destruction. But Nahum's name is comfort. That's because Nahum also has a message for God's people. And it's a day of deliverance. If you look at verse 15, it's about this messenger and his feet and how he brings good news. And, and God says in verse 15, he says to Judah, his people in the southern kingdom, he says, look at the mountain. Look up, get, get, get your eyes up and look on the mountain. And there is coming a messenger. And it's a messenger who brings good news. And the news we read in verse 15 is of peace. It's not punishment, it's peace. And so God says to his people through Nahum, yes, I have allowed Assyria to pass through you, to afflict you. Just as a loving father disciplines his son, I have allowed that. But God says, no more. I have prepared a grave for the Assyrian empire and I'm bringing you peace. No longer will I afflict you. No longer will Assyria be the rod in my hand to discipline you. I will eliminate them. I bring you good news of peace between you and me, God says, to God's people through Nahum. And I love what it says next. It says, celebrate. Celebrate. You've not been able to celebrate your feast and your festivals, but now the enemy is gone. Your enemy has been destroyed. I've put him in the grave. And so celebrate your festivals. Have the Passover again. Get your family together and celebrate and remember God's deliverance and what he's done for you. And many want to say that this story is not real. It's make-believe. But the story found in Nahum involves real people with a real promise who had a real enemy. And it's the same for us today. There's a real promise for us because good news has come to defeat our real enemy, the devil and sin and death. I really enjoy what this one writer says about Nahum. And I want to share it with you. It says, Nahum's gospel. Remember, gospel is the word that means good news. It says, Nahum's gospel and the Christian gospel are based on the same premise. God saves sinners. Nahum's good news anticipated the ultimate good news of the Christian gospel. The Christian good news carries Nahum's good news to its ultimate conclusion. God saves sinners. The message in the book of Nahum is that God saved his people by pouring out his wrath on the Assyrian empire. But in the New Testament, 
the good news is this, is not that God pours out his wrath on us, but that God pours out his wrath on Jesus Christ, his son, so that you and I could receive God's grace. Pastor Sherm shared this verse out of 1 John chapter 4, and I want to share it with you again this morning because it's so fitting. It says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, and this is a big theological word and Bible word, propitiation. It means that God poured out his wrath on his own son. He diverted his wrath from us onto his own son, Jesus Christ, so that we could receive grace. That's propitiation for our sins. For our sins. And so Nahum points us to the cross of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died for our sins in our place on the tree. That's the good news of Jesus Christ.